Come on. Welcome to Life Blood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Stephanie Sims. Stephanie, are you ready to do this? Let's do it, George. Let's go. Stephanie is a recovering investment banker. She's a startup advisor and the founder of Financeability, where she helps founders build economic stories that make dollars and cents. Stephanie, uh, great to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. So that's a lot, but I'll try to keep it short. (laughs) So the real reason I do what I do is because I have seen the investment game from both sides, meaning I've been an investor in my career as an investment banker. I've also been on the founder side, working in a company that was founded by, uh, that was funded, sorry, by both venture capitalists and angels that we sold to a publicly traded company. And I saw all of that crazy finance stuff. And then I started working with small businesses, including my parents and realized that small business is the, that's the people who need that kind of expertise the most and the people who have it the least, right? It's 50 plus percent of our economy, for example, but a lot of these people don't even understand basic accounting terms, not because they can't, but because they're so busy running their businesses that they don't have time or frankly, anyone to explain it to them in a way that makes sense to them. And so to me, when I, when I realized that through my experience with my parents, I was like, okay, you know what? I have to kind of be on a mission to demystify the finance world for these entrepreneurs so that they can be more successful and help everyone. I love it. So I, that must have been a fascinating experience working with, with your parents. I mean, some parts terrifying and some parts just, you know, I, what, what was that experience like? Yeah, so uh, very interesting to be brought in as an expert, using air quotes there, yeah. uh, when you're dealing with the people who brought you into the world, right? So how do you position yourself um, when you're trying to help them see something that they haven't been able to see, but also navigate the, the family dynamic, right? Um, I have to say my parents are amazing people, and they had built a really awesome business, and that's that's why I think it worked is because they had recognized that they had done something really extraordinary and they were very perplexed by the fact that nobody else could see it. Hmm. So I kind of got to live in this space where I was like, let's just show people how awesome you are. Nice. And how, 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 how did it actually end up the, uh, the, the end result? So very good news. They were able to sell their business and now they live uh, not too far away from us here in uh, Arizona. Awesome. I like it. So how long, how long did you spend in the world of actually inside the belly of the beast as an investment banker? <laughs> I was, that's, I love how you say that. I was there for about a decade, both um, here in the U S and also in Europe. Uh, so yeah, got to kind of ride the wave of uh, the God, I'm dating myself of the early nineties challenges that we had around real estate investing. Got it. Nice. What is good about investment banks from your perspective? What is good about investment banks? Um, I think that they have a very clear role to serve in the financial system. I think what's really interesting, like if you look at what's happening, for example, with Goldman, where they're trying to convert themselves away from more of an exclusive elite, we only help the people who have 10 million plus, and they're really trying to move into more of a wealth management space for everyone, Yeah. right? I think that trend is going to continue 
And I think that what they're recognizing is that what used to be investment banking when I was there, which is we work with big companies, we charge outrageous fees, but we do all these really complex financial structures that kind of help them maximize or optimize their efforts. They're recognizing that that is going to be a very small part of their business going forward and that they really, like every successful business, need to build multiple revenue streams. And they're looking, I think, a lot of them to wealth management or to diversification to do that. Yeah, it is super interesting to watch Goldman Sachs do that. Um, and I find it all I find it I find all of it to be fascinating, just financial technology in general. And I I, I see really wonderful things for the average investor like people like me. Um, and we'll see how it actually plays out for for Goldman Sachs as well. So do you think that they'll be successful? I think it'll be interesting, right? Because I think that a lot of what used to happen in the financial world was was based on I don't want to say retention of information, but you know, when you don't understand the words that are being said, even if you hear the words, you don't know what to do with them. And I think as there's more mm. popular press around investing terms, as you've got folks, um, not all of them doing very well in the press right now, but folks like Robinhood who are trying to democratize access to public markets. Um, I think that that education level, the increase in the education level of an average investor is making it so that there can't be this group of elite people who kind of, again, not retain information, but who kind of control and dominate. Yeah. And I think that's the part that's most interesting to me. I don't know if Goldman themselves are going to be successful, but I think ultimately with crowdfunding regulations and with the, the encouragement that we're getting to try to help more people build wealth, um, I think that there's, you know, you can't put that back in the bag. That's, that's never going to go away. No, no, I can't imagine. Um, so fascinating. So how does that play out with, with, with the work that you're doing? Sort of that whole thing of uh, an investment banker, or go, those, we'll just pick on Goldman Sachs, them using language that they say the words, nobody really gets it, but they sort of nod their heads. And that's for just ordinary investors. But how about for, for businesses and the world of actually getting funded? Yeah, so I see this play out as well when you're talking to early stage investors, Right. And so kind of that that knowledge barrier, sometimes I call myself a financial translator. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times when you get into a conversation and someone starts throwing around, what's your CAC to LTV ratio? Help me understand your churn. And and, you know, you get that deer in the headlights feeling because you've never been there before. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I really try to live in that space and help those folks who, again, have a valuable business, but don't really understand how to talk to the people who have funding that might enable them to grow more quickly or into in a different way. Got it. So it is just a, uh, it's Rosetta stone for, uh, for, for, <laughs> for, for raising money. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, and you know, you know how this goes, right? You're always toying around with what makes most sense to, to the people you're trying to help. Um, you know, sometimes I talk about demystifying, entrepreneurial finance and that resonates with some people. But yeah, it's really about helping people get their heads around the fact that they're not good at math or they're not good at numbers. And that means they can't be successful raising capital, which is Got it. BS, by the way. Yeah. So it, it, it's a function of, hey, you know what, just because for whatever reason, you have this idea in your head that you are not good at the numbers piece. You're this brilliant visionary entrepreneur, but you think that you suck at the the accounting piece when in fact you don't because it's really not as complicated as as you're perceiving it to be. 
Exactly. And I think it's, I think it's also about helping you connect the dots between the numbers in your business and the things you're doing every day. And, and I will say my dad's a CPA, so please, you know, take this with all the love that it's intended. Accountants are not always awesome at helping people make those connections because there's a lot of rules around accounting. And that's where I think if you start, sorry, I'm in a soapbox for just a minute, sure. but if you start with the projections, if you start looking forward as an entrepreneur and you start to understand how the numbers work for you going forward, then it starts to make a lot more sense when you look at the numbers from your past, because you can start to connect those dots and put that whole story together for yourself. Okay, great. I did this. Here's what I thought was going to happen. Here's what really happened. And here's what that means in terms of my business. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Got it. And so that is that is not unknowable. That is not an unlearnable skill. That is something that, that as long as people do have accurate records of the past, that they can use that information looking forward. Exactly. And I, and I would say that some of it has to do with the people that are helping you, right? I think, you know, a lot of times people, because they're hesitant to talk about the numbers, because they don't want to admit that they don't know, right? They end up working with people who sort of talk over their heads and they kind of smile and nod, Right. And I think if you're a business owner and you find yourself in a situation where the people who are talking to you about your numbers uh, don't necessarily help you understand or don't accept the questions that you're asking them, then I would encourage you to look for somebody who does because so the, everybody is everybody needs that help and everybody deserves that help. Yeah. Otherwise, the vicious cycle continues. Exactly. Break the cycle, Stephanie. But that's <laughs> that's that, that is what you are working to do. So... All right. So, so what, what, what are things that you wish that, that people knew that, 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 that more business owners really knew? Oh, lots and lots of stuff. Um, (laughs) I wish, I wish that they knew that it was okay to ask questions. Hmm. Like to me, that's one of the biggest things um, that I think happens, whether they're talking, they go to their bank, for example, I see this a lot with small business owners. They go to their bank because they think they need a loan and they start talking to their banker and the banker starts using all these terms perhaps that go over their head. And instead of saying, well, so could you help me understand what that means? Their response is kind of, okay, well, I need to pretend like I understand because if I don't pretend like I understand, then they're going to kick me out of the bank and they're never going to want to work with me. And the reality is that most people, my experience is that most people in finance are not jerks or arrogant bad words. (laughs) I don't know if we can curse on your show, Um, but well, they're not arrogant assholes, right? So you can't, you're not facing this person who looks at you and is like, oh, I'm just going to skewer this person with the fact that they don't even know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just, people are not like that, but they live in this world and everyone they talk to speaks that language. And so of course, when they speak to you, they're going to start in the language they understand. And if you give a sign, like you're smiling and nodding, like, you know what they mean, then it's easier for them to keep going. Right. It's kind of like, maybe this is a good example. If you're in a foreign country and I, I actually lived in Europe for a while and learned French and all kinds of other fun stuff. And the one tip that someone gave me that I think was the best tip I ever got is the one thing to learn to say in a foreign language is, do you speak English? If you ask someone in their language, do you speak English? 
almost always, even if they don't, they'll try to help you. Hmm. However, if you walk up to them in English and you say, why don't you speak English? Yeah. Hey. Then they're like, I don't know what the heck you're saying. Right. And so to me, it's that willingness to, to make a little effort and to say, I don't know much, but can you help me? That can really get you the, the kind of connections that you're looking for in the finance world. Right. I mean, I know plenty of bankers and they tell me all the time, I wish people would say, I don't know what the heck you're talking about more often because I can help them then. Whereas if they come in, they listen to me and they walk out and never come back. I haven't really helped them. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to, it's okay to not know things. And of course, and it's our, I guess it's our ego. There's a million different reasons why we're probably um, reticent to, to, to ask questions and just more comfortable to sort of play along, even though we're talking about potentially the biggest decision that you may ever make. Right. Yep. Well, and I think there's a, there's an added stigma because it's money. Right. Right. And so I think already asking questions to your point is hard, but I think when it comes to money, a lot of people are just so uncomfortable that they, they just, you know, they freeze. How has uh, my perception is that we're in this sort of excited golden age of entrepreneurship where it's the sexiest thing in the world and startups, there's an association and, and a group everywhere to, to talk about it and, and to get excited about it. Has, has this been good or bad? Is, oh. it, is it now there's just, there's so much information and I should get angel funded or whatever. I just, I think I'm asking a question there somewhere. No, you are. And I think, I think you're exactly right because there is this, um, this myth of entrepreneurship, right? This myth of kind of a perfect path. Oh, well, if you have the right idea and you talk to the right people, then somehow magically people are just going to throw money at you. And the next thing you know, you're ringing the bell at the NASDAQ, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't work that way. And although there is a lot more opportunity because there have been a significant, there has been a significant increase both in the number of institutional investors, which are people who invest other people's money, and in terms of angels, which are people who invest their own money, that has grown. There's also been this huge explosion, to your point, of entrepreneurs, of companies looking for funding. And, and I feel like the biggest thing that we have done that does not serve entrepreneurs is focus on funding as a success metric because the truth is money in and of itself doesn't grow your business right it's what you do it's what you do with the money it's where you invest it to grow your business that really counts and so getting funding from someone is not really an accomplishment right it's what you do with the money once you've got it that actually moves your business forward I love it. It seems like there's so much training on on how to get the money, and that's certainly an important thing, right? You need to be able to ask correctly and put your pitch deck together and actually make the pitch and and have the right connections to get to the right people. But now that I got the money, all right, all done. <laughs> no. Exactly. It's like it's kind of like the mic drop moment, and you're like, no, 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 the work just started, my friend. <laughs> yeah. 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 So well, I'm sure that there's a million different things we could talk about and spend hours and hours and hours talking about this stuff. How, how, how do you come into the equation? So one of the things that I really focus on is educating people, entrepreneurs about all their options, because again, we have this sort of tunnel vision and I talk about this a lot. I think I do this a lot too. I'm putting my hands next to my face. 
<laughs> but like we do, we have this sort of tunnel vision that the absolute right thing to do to grow a business and maybe the only thing to do is to get outside funding because that's what success looks like. And the reality is that that is dangerous for your business if you do it at the wrong time. And even if you do it at the right time, your chances of actually being successful funding your business like that are very small. Like less than 1% of the companies who apply for a first round of funding get it. And then at every successive round of funding, it's one in 10 companies that get it, right? And so this, and anyway, we don't wanna fall into, the, into the, all the details, but all I will say is getting funding is not a, a recipe for success. And what I try to do is help people take a step back from the hype and say to themselves, how do I want my business to grow? What do I really wanna do with it? Because a lot of times they, they go get funding and they had no intention of building a hundred million dollar business. Like that wasn't what they wanted. And they didn't understand that that was part of the deal when they got funded. So I help them focus on what they what they want their business to be. And then I help them look for every other source of funding before we start talking about investment capital, not because it's a bad thing or those are bad people, but because it's a, it's a fit for a very, very small segment of businesses. And so why would you continue to kind of try to, it's kind of like trying to attract someone who's not your ideal client. Why would you spend all your time and energy, <clears throat> excuse me, energy trying to chase someone down on the street to buy your product or service if, if they don't really want it anyway and they're not a good fit for it? Yeah, it's because I don't know any better, Stephanie. That's that's the reason. Exactly. We haven't thought all the way through it. It's it, it, it certainly does. It always makes sense to me that that we're interested in, in, in more the tactics or the things versus what the overall strategy is first. And I guess that's logical because that's sort of how we are conditioned to consume things. But taking that big step back and trying to figure out what you really want your business to look like and where you want it to go. And that's really the starting point. Yeah. And I think, I think to your point, there is a ton of focus on these sort of skills and tactics. And that's great, but that has that sort of presupposes that you already had a strategy behind it. And I think the problem is to your point, when there's so much information available about strategy and tact about tactics and skills, people go at those things without a strategy, which means that it's going to be really hard to be successful, right? Because you don't even know what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Nice. I like it. Well, Stephanie, the people are ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? So my difference making tip is if you think that what's going wrong in your business or you think that what you need in your business is money, play this game with yourself. If I had a million dollars or whatever number you think you need, right? Whatever it is, what would I do with it first? And if you don't know the answer to that question, then money is not your problem. <laughs> well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. Yeah. Right. Like I need to raise a million dollars. You do. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. What do you actually intend to do with that money? Oh, well, I'm just going to raise it, Stephanie. Well, or I'm, I'm just going to hire someone to do the things I don't want to do or don't know how to do. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. I love it. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? So uh, it's a pleasure, George. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I am Stephanie J. Sims on LinkedIn, or you can connect with me at stephaniesims.com. And that's Sims with one M. I like it. 
Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Stephanie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to stephaniesims.com. That's Sims with one M. Find her on LinkedIn at Stephanie J. Sims. Thanks again, Stephanie. Thanks so much, George. It was a pleasure. And, And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.